is the Lion's Edge, presented by BetMGM, Andrew Dowdy and Chase Kitty. Tuesday morning, April 5th, this very, very beautiful Tuesday morning, my friend, with your... I mean, you got to be feeling it a little bit, too, because your Kansas money is in the bank. A hat tip to you, sir, for having the gall to jump on that at halftime at the plus three, what, 375, 310. What was it higher right when it got to halftime? And then it went down a little bit. I think it was the opposite. I got, I took it right at the start of halftime. And I think people were just double and tripling down on North Carolina. So, I mean, I, I, I get why you as a like invested Kansas guy was like, Oh, you know, fuck this. Like I, I totally understand that part. I think from a, pure like numbers gambling perspective that's totally the spot to bet kansas there's still a half left you've watched enough kansas games to know like sometimes they lay an egg in the first half and they i mean i don't know if i've ever seen them have that many bad possessions and take that many bad shots miss that many layups but i mean it's it's 15 points for a really good team against a team that played really well like that's classic by low spot so i it wasn't that hard for me i don't even think it's it's worth taking much of a victory lap on. I thought the way more impressive pull for me was just like the under and playing the money line and not the spread because that ends up being the difference between me hitting a parlay and me me losing a parlay if I had played the spread. So, I mean, it's, it's just nice to close things out, I think, on a good run, knowing where we started this thing and how bad the, the first week picks were. It's, it's nice to, I have to go back and look. I might even finish positive. I just had the hedge on that and ended up, you know, making $100 or whatever off of that game. But that's why I just had the hedge on it because I I felt so good about my tournament thus far. You had a lot going on there too. You had you had like a screaming toddler. You had, I, your stomach's been upset for a couple days because you, you have a sensitive palate, yeah. I think. And uh, and then you've got the, the Kansas game going on too. You told me at one point you and your wife were watching the Kansas game on a small Entire TV second half. In your bathroom. In, the entire yeah. second half. The entire second half was watching the bathroom. I mean... Hey, I have a good computer. Props to Betham Jammer set me up for a great Mac with a great <laughs> MacBook. So I have a great computer. So it's not a matter of that. But yeah, uh, the wife and I and the, the infant watched the entire second half in the bathroom. So if any bodily fluids did come out, it wasn't going to be a problem. But how much do you care about the 2022-2023 odds that are already up? I feel like I, I want to talk about Arkansas, but maybe that's a segment for another day. Just like I think it's so dumb that they're that they're handicapped where they are. Arkansas might win the national championship next year. Yep. I have no idea. You, you don't know it. I, I care about it in that I find it. I, I'm not going to place a national championship bet today. Like, I just don't see the value in that. So I don't care about it in that regard. I do care about it in finding it interesting where the narratives are already starting. I mean, Arkansas is probably going to be a top five, top three team next year, which Maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe Arkansas is a top three team in no, college Number basketball. one in the AP poll that came out, I think, for today for next year. Or it wasn't the AP poll. It was some ESPN power poll, but you get the point. Arkansas was number one in that. Arkansas was number one. And, like, I'm sorry. That would be a little weird. If Arkansas won the national championship next year, that would be a little weird. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying it wouldn't be deserving. I'm not saying they're not good. They've gone to back-to-back elite eights. They're clearly a good program that is going in the right direction and maybe will take it even a step farther. But if you're telling me on April 5th, 2022, that they're going to win next year's national championship, particularly when you look at how college basketball is generally a sport dominated by a handful, there's 350 schools and it's a handful of teams that win these things. 
I think that would be a little weird. And it's not like I'm getting good payoff at nine to one. Right. I think it would be Texas Tech 2019, right? Because you have a program that I don't know if like Texas Tech necessarily underachieved. We don't get, need to get into all that. But you have generally a program that has been just trying to fight to get into the NCAA tournament that has been widely an afterthought for a really long time, who lands a great coach. You are able to get some high-level recruits, looking back to Culver, and now Arkansas is doing that this year uh, with a top two or a top three recruiting class. I think that's what it would be, because before Texas Tech got to the national championship game, they had a couple of really nice seasons. I think they were, what, like a three or a four seed before that, and Chris Beard was building that program as Eric Musselman is doing the last three seasons. So I think that's what it would feel like. It wouldn't be, if you had told me before the 2019 season that Texas Tech would win the national championship, yeah, I would have been surprised, and I'd be curious if they were in that same ballpark that Arkansas is right now, but I'm guessing they would have been much higher, probably around 2,000 or 2,500, but I think that's what it would feel like. I wouldn't be floored if Arkansas won it next year but like you said I think it's at plus 1,000 at that value I'm not sure I mean going back to like the Broncos comment that you made about why are you betting on the Broncos to win the Super Bowl after trading for Russell Wilson that is the absolute worst time to do it betting on Arkansas I don't know if that's gonna if you're gonna get better value by waiting like if you think Arkansas is gonna win the national championship yeah by all means take them at plus 1,000 but when all these preview mags start coming out when people are actually pay attention to the AP poll come October, those numbers will probably go up to like plus 800 or plus 900 because everybody's going to be pounding Arkansas. But anyways, you want to do some MLB futures? Yeah, let's talk baseball. I am hyper prepped for this. I have like a gross amount of notes. I can't remember the last time we did baseball on the show. I don't know if it's been maybe probably we had, one year ago. Yeah, we well, we probably did an air horn <laughs> exactly on sometime last ago. fall. <laughs> but uh Anyways, we're doing MLB Futures today, opening day on Thursday. Again, we're talking uh, Tuesday, April 5th. This is not an opening day preview by any means. There are literally hundreds of different markets uh, at BetMGM right now. We had to push this podcast a little bit later in the morning because you and I just couldn't get to all of those numbers before we started recording. And we still didn't get to all those numbers because it's impossible. There are hundreds of different markets at BetMGM right now. Uh, they have all the big stuff, but also head-to-head stat odds, head-to-head team wins, that kind of stuff. I have a bet that I absolutely love in head-to-head team wins. Um, I love that. I love that too. It's it's a little unusual, and sometimes the you know my my conservatism comes out on the like that's a weird market. Like I don't know if I want to get into that. Uh, but the the head-to-head win stuff is so cool and, and worth checking out. Uh, and and I, I would not say that unless I really believed it. Because you don't, I don't have a pull up in front of me, and I'm not sure if this is even an option, but like Royals versus Diamondbacks. You never put the Royals and Diamondbacks in the same sentence unless you're talking about like the draft order or mock drafts. But looking at teams like that is almost like saying, who's going to win more games in college basketball next year, Arkansas or Texas Tech? It's just something that you don't think about. But anyways, this is much more your domain than mine. I follow baseball. I love baseball. I'm not in the weeds on it like you are. I don't follow the offseason as much as you do. I will try to be as uh, useful as possible today. I have a handful of numbers that I like quite a bit, some team win totals. I have a, a player prop over under. I mentioned there's a head-to-head team wins that I absolutely love in the National League. So maybe we'll use that kind of as a foundation. I'll drive the car. I'll get your takes on some of these numbers that I like. Uh, and then you can uh, kind of dive in around those. The one player prop, maybe this is the best place to start because I'm guessing we're going to spend quite a bit of time on the National League West is I'm looking at Trey Turner right now. He has a player prop on hits of 176 and a half. He hit 328 uh, last year. He doesn't need to hit 328 again this year to hit that number. 
Uh, I'm looking at his injury history to see if that would become a factor. His only notable injuries that resulted in real absences over the last five years, uh, both hit by pitches. He had the, the, the bunt where he broke his pinky or broke his thumb or something like that a couple of years ago. So there's really no real injury history here to worry about. You got to love his chances of playing 145, 148, 158 games. If he plays the same number of games he did last year, 148, he needs to hit roughly 298 to get there. So that's the bet I feel like I'm making. I feel like I'm simplifying this to, I don't even know if it's even simplifying it. I'm kind of changing the bet to what is Trey Turner's batting average, over under 298. Give me the over on that. Obviously, the Dodgers are going to get a whole bunch of attention here over the first couple of months of the season. They have the highest win total in the league right now. I think it's 98 and a half as of this morning. Where does Trey Turner, where do the Dodgers kind of fit into your NL picture, your NL West picture? Yeah, let's let's zoom out and then come back in because uh, I want to I want to build some context around this, some divisional context around this conversation. So that the NL West had a really interesting 2021, and then they had an interesting off season. Everybody, we talked a lot when we did this episode last year about the Padres, and I was the Padres team win prop was like 93 and a half, 94 and a half, and I I gave you this whole history of like. Look, literally one time ever in the history of the Padres organization have they ever hit this number. Like this is an under for me. Yeah, and I have some very similar stats on that. Well, I, I have some Padres stuff too, but like I, I'm kind of I remember that rant from last year, and I kind of am doing like a lesser version of that where I was going to ask you, hey, do you remember the last time the Padres actually won 89 games in the season? Right. So it was I was on the under there, and it looked like I was going to have to sweat it, and then they completely collapsed down the stretch, and it, it was like a no sweat winner. And then the Giants kind of come out of nowhere. They had been in this holding pattern for the last couple of years. And then just every every chance they took kind of in the last couple of off seasons ends up hitting and paying off. And they, they hit 107 wins. They win the division. This dramatic showdown at the very end of the season with the Dodgers. So that's, that's what was the past. That's what's already happened. Coming into this season... You kind of have to assume that the Padres aren't going to have a massive collapse again. They still have a lot of talent. They had a decent offseason. You have to figure they're going to be a little bit more in the race this year um, than they were previously. The Dodgers lose Scherzer, uh, and, and they don't have as much depth as the bat at the back end of the rotation. I think some of their like some of their spot starts, their four, their five, like that's a little. I, I'm not sure how much they're going to get out of that. But the front of that rotation is solid. They're as good as a lineup as you're, you're still going to find. They add Freddie Freeman. They, they lose a couple players. They add Freeman. So I, I think the hitting stuff is mostly a wash. Pitching, they're not quite as good at, at the starting stuff. But they're going to be a solid roster. The problem with the Dodgers is the same problem you've had with them for the last four or five years. They are so good and so publicly good and have such a massive payroll. Everybody always wants to bet them, and they're generally kind of priced out. So you, you've if you bet on the Dodgers you know, every year for the last four or five years, you're in the red because they've won one World Series, and it, it was a good one, but they've won one, and they've lost every other one. And if you're betting the Dodgers, it's basically not worth it to bet anything but World Series. You can't bet on the Dodgers to win their division. Like That's just not... You're not getting a return on that. Well, and are you really even going to, I mean, going back to the Arkansas thing, I guess completely two different situations, but are you really going to bet on the Dodgers that only 
plus 500 to win the World Series? Right. And that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like the value is kind of tough there because, hey, maybe you end up being right and the Dodgers do get get another one this year. But it, it just the, the market is so priced out. You're really not getting a valuable number. And we have seen as good as their roster is, as good as their pitchers have been, as good as especially as good as their lineup has been, like they've gotten one. They haven't gotten any more than that. So in this recent run, obviously, is what I'm talking about. So I think it's it's tough to come in on the Dodgers here. Uh, I, I do think you could flirt with their win total. I'm not sure if I would look at any, you know, any big time futures odds, but like at 98 and a half, uh, which I think is what their, their win total is. I looked at it this morning, uh, but I don't have it written down in front of me for some reason. 98 and a half. Basically, that number is acknowledging, hey, they lost Scherzer. They're still really good. The division has two really good teams in it. And the Rockies made some moves. I'm not sure how they're how good they're going to be. I think what I'm saying is I would probably stay away from the Dodgers here just because I think the value is in other places. I think the Giants win total is criminal. Like it, to put them at 85 and a half, which is what they're at right now. They won 107 games last year. They won the division. 85 and a half is the number. And they're basically saying, hey, the Giants were so good last year that it's unrepeatable. That there's going to be regression to the mean. And then add in the fact that the Padres aren't going to collapse like that. Add in the fact that the Diamondbacks are not going to have a 23-game losing streak where they seemingly blow every single game they play in the eighth inning. It's it's probably not going to be 107 wins again for the Giants. But at 85.5, I actually think that's that's too much regression back toward the mean. I think you're looking at a team that's probably like, a 90 to 95 win team. They're a wild card team. Yes, they're going to lose some games in division to the Padres or maybe even to the Rockies or Diamondbacks that they shouldn't. But this is still a good team that is that, that has a lot still left from last year. So the Giants, for me, that would be my play. Giants over 85 and a half in the National League West, I think is probably where the value is. I would stay away from the Dodgers. And I just I'm not quite sure what to do with the Padres. I'm going to get to the Padres in a second, but I was, I mean, based upon your thoughts last year and just, just generally how you attack futures, I was pretty certain you weren't going to really touch the Dodgers at all this year. Where you were going with that, I thought you were going toward taking the Giants at minus 130 to make the playoffs or minus 130 to make the playoffs. Sure. I would, I would, I would add that on there. I just, I just think the the best lane to attack this is where the win total is because it's so low and it's, it's expecting so much regression. Because you're talking about with expanded playoffs that if it's, what is it, 80, 85 and a half for the Giants, correct? 85 and a half. Yeah, so you're talking about if they hit the over on that, I get they're not guaranteed to make the playoffs if they go, if they have 86 wins, but they're probably going to be pretty damn near near it. And I get you're, you're paying the minus 130 to make the playoffs and I get all that kind of stuff. But maybe a piece of it kind of goes back to uh, what you talked about last week or a couple weeks ago on the podcast you talked about in spaces is that if you are picking North Carolina, for example, to beat Duke, you're just going to want to sprinkle a little bit on top at that plus 475 or the plus 500 to win the national championship game. Because if you're going to be wrong, you might as well be $10 more wrong. Another example you use, and I'll get to the Brewers here in a little bit, is if you're picking the Brewers to win the National League, you might as well throw a little bit on the Brewers to win the World Series because at that point you're just talking about a seven-game series. So I get that you're paying the minus 130 on the Giants instead of just the minus 110 for the team win total. But in your case, if you're already going to take the over on the Giants on 85 and a half, 
I mean, minus 130 isn't too far off. I'm in total agreement with you. I mean, they can they can regress and they can come back to the mean. But if you're talking about a dip of what, 20, 21 wins? I mean, that's three and a half yeah. wins per month. I mean, they, can lose almost... 20, they can lose 20 more games than last year and right. still go over. So you're that's, saying every, yeah. almost every week they're going to lose one more game than last year. That seems like too much regression. I, I'm i trying to figure out why that's the case, and I guess that kind of led me to look at this Padres number. It's it's uh, because the bottom of that division is not supposed to be as bad. The Padres aren't going to collapse, and then you add in the regression. But even then, I feel like th- this drop is too much. Yeah, I don't, I don't – I agree with all that, but I also don't think that that – makes up for a 21 dip in their win total. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I'm saying too. It, yeah. That's that's fine. I acknowledge all that. That's not worth 22 wins off of last season. Yeah, and I think that's one piece of it where it led me to this Padres number. I, I really like the under 88 and a half this year. I agree with you about the Dodgers. I'm not as worried about four and five in their rotation. I think that we've seen that if the Dodgers are doing what we expect them to do by June or July, they're going to bolster that rotation. So I think they can get away with four and five for the first couple of months of the season and then find a piece to add to it. So I think the Dodgers might win 105, 108 games this year. Uh, the Giants aren't going to totally implode. I agree with you. They're not going to win 107 this year, but they're not going to totally implode. Not with the bullpen they have. Not look. Not with Webb looking like he could have another dominant season. Uh, the Diamondbacks, what'd you say? It was 23-game losing streak last year. They're not going to do that again. They're not going to go, I think it was 8-50 and 50 in the middle of the season again. They're not going to get eight total wins over a 60-game stretch. Uh, I'm not picking the Diamondbacks to go 500 or make the playoffs this year, but I think that they will be marginally better. Um, I'm just struggling to see 89 wins for this Padres team in this division. Um, I, I get that there's maybe concern in this offense outside of Manny Machado. I mean, he's going to give you the 155, 160 reliable games of 30 bombs, 100 RBI, 280 bad and average, all that kind of stuff. I just think that this number would need a lot of bounce back performances by guys that have underachieved the last couple of years to hit the over. And this team can still be good. I mean, I think it's kind of like the Giants thing where I, I think the Padres will be better. They're not going to win whatever, 73 or 74 games, whatever they had last year. They're not going to do that again. They can be 14 wins better. This team can still go 88 and 74, a nine win improvement from last year. So I was wrong there at 79, a nine win improvement from last year and still hit the under on this. Like as, as I talk more through this, I like this number before I hop down, but as I talk through it more, I'm starting to really like this number. I just don't trust this team. They had the nice 60 game run two years ago. But I mean, like I said, I was going to ask you before, do you know the last time this team won 89 games in a season? It's so, yeah, I mean, no, I don't. 12 years. Like it's been 12 years. It's exactly right. It's the the idea (laughs) is, hey, this is a, this is a publicly visible team. It's a trendy team and it's a talented team. So we have to set the number high and there is a lot of talent on the team. So they could get to this number. That's why it's a no bet for me. But philosophically, you are in exactly the right place, I think, which, which is, hey, the the potential energy of this team doesn't necessarily match up with the history or the expectations, so you go under. Yeah. They've won 89 games six times in franchise history. I, I get a lot of that doesn't necessarily mean that much when we're talking about the 1970s, but for a franchise that has done this only six times in history and a team that I'm not totally sold on, if you're giving me a chance at basically even money to say under 89 wins, I'm absolutely taking that. Um, I have one other thing that relates to the Padres and one of these head-to-head 
team total wins, but anything else across the NL West before I drop that and we move on? No, go ahead and give it, and uh, let's let's do the NL East because I got some some good hot takes there as well. Definitely, yeah. So on that Padres, no, this is this is probably my favorite bet on the board. Like I said, Betem Jam has these head to head wins; they're really cool. One of them is Brewers minus one twenty, Padres plus one hundred. Uh, this is free money. I mean, I'm on the Brewers all day here. They can absolutely dominate this division. They're playing in a worse division than the Padres are. They went. Uh, they had 47 wins against the Central last year, so that would be math of. 47-29 against the Central last year. Uh, they're going to win 50 games against the Central this year comfortably. I mean, this yes. team might win 55 games against the Central this year comfortably. Yes. That's the difference for me. And I get that we can get into the pitching nuances of this. Um, I get that we can talk about what Christian Yelich needs to do and not have nine home runs and 500 plate appearances or whatever he did last year. But the difference between two teams, I think the Brewers are a better team, but even if we take that out completely, the difference here is – this division, the ceiling for the Padres within this division might be like 38 or 40 wins. And that's a massive gap that needs to be made up elsewhere. And I just, I don't see it with the Brewers rotation, with their bullpen. Um, I mentioned the Christian Yelich thing. I get that they need more pop from the middle of a lineup. I get they need more pop from Yelich. I get they need more pop around him. But I think that even if they regress a little bit, this is still going to be a better team in 2022 than the Padres. They're going to be playing in a worse division. And if you're giving me minus 120 to have more wins than the Padres at plus money, I think, I don't know what's behind this. I don't know if there's more trust with the star power of the Padres and people don't really realize somebody on ESPN did a a breakdown in power rankings or something. And they ranked the Brewers rotation as the second best in baseball. And I think they said in there that there's a strong argument that the Brewers are actually the best rotation in baseball. And they didn't say this in there, but it has to be because they don't have all of those marquee names that the Mets have. So you can make a really, really strong argument. that The Brewers have the best rotation in baseball because they have names that people don't necessarily recognize publicly casual fans Yep. You're going to get them at better value. And if you're giving me head-to-head wins at Brewers minus 120 versus the Padres at plus 100, uh, that seems like free money to me. Yeah, I mean, I fully co-signed on this on that bet. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna do this a little bit later, but since you went to the Brewers, let's just drop this here. NL Central, don't overthink it. Probably the easiest division to handicap this year. I'm on the Brewers at minus 175 to win in the NL Central. I'm on the Brewers at 7-1 to one to win the National League. That's a hedge spot that I'm setting up because I'm not super convinced that they're going to win the National League. I do think they'll get to the NLCS, though, because of how much they're going to dominate their division, what kind of record they're going to be, and then the playoff path they're going to have because of that. So Brewers at minus 175 to win the division. Brewers at 7-1 to one to win the National League to set up the hedge spot. And Brewers over 89.5 wins. Don't overthink it. Your uh, handicap on the Brewers relative to their division is exactly right. Like they are not going to be challenged. I don't think by the people that the Cubs just tore stuff down. The Cardinals, I think are getting, when, when you look at their odds, way too much respect for the off season they had. Like they, they're, they might finish in second in that division. Oh, it's like the champions tour. They have like 50 guys over 40 on their roster. Like they, they like, signed poo holes again. Like what? what and, and I'm supposed to take that seriously as like a, as a divisional contender. Is there so, another yeah, division the, the that has, th- is there another division that has three teams that have, I, I'm hesitant to say no chance because you're probably going to yell at me, but is there another team in the MLB that has three teams that really have no chance at winning the division? Like maybe the AL Central, if we said the Tigers, but after their move with the Rays, maybe they think they have a chance and if they start hot, they can make some moves. But is there another division where th- basically three teams have no chance to win the division? Uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't put it that way. I, I would 
I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying. I would flip it around and say, because it's the Brewers and everybody else in this division, there are clearly wins here for somebody. I just don't know who it is. I don't, I don't know what team in the NL Central is going to go yeah, 20 good. wins over their win total prop here because there are so many winnable divisional games here. So that's like, if you can figure out who that's going to be, then that's how you attack this this scenario that you're laying out. But I just don't know who it is, and I feel like I'm just going to keep it moving with the Brewers and then move on to somewhere else. But there is absolutely an opportunity here. If you flip the names on the jerseys and the Cardinals had the Brewers roster, the Cardinals would be like minus oh, yeah. 400 they, in this division. They, and they would Wouldn't have like – they, they have ridiculous World Series odds. Yeah, you're exactly right. And at least. Don't share this podcast – with our coworkers, okay? Uh, because I'm about to say some very dirty things about the Mets. <laughs> and there's a lot of Mets fans here at BetMGM, and I understand why. A big bulk uh, people in Jersey City and in the New York area, lots of Mets fans. The Mets are not, in this market with these numbers, you can't bet on the Mets, all right? It kind of similar to last year, the Braves and the Mets have similar, not, a, not as near identical as they were last year, but they have similar numbers. They're kind of in the same neighborhood for the NL East. Uh, the Braves are the team to bet on. The Mets are not. And let me break this down, all right? So they had they had a very splashy offseason. They signed Scherzer, which is great. But the problem is they lose Syndergaard. He goes to, to the Angels. DeGrom has a stress issue in his right leg, his right knee. Scherzer has a hamstring issue and just got scratched for opening day. Like they signed Chris Bassett. It seems like he's fine. So, I mean, that's a good signing, but it goes from Chris Bassett is our number three. We have six starter depth and, you know, we lost Baez, but we, you know, we'll make do. It goes from that to no Stroman, no Syndergaard. Uh, we don't know how long, uh, we don't know how long DeGrom's going to be out. Scherzer is aging and evidently has an issue before the season even starts. We, we don't expect him to miss more than the one scratch right now, but but who knows? There are way too many question marks right now with this team. The hype is way too high. The number's already priced out, even if they didn't have these issues. You cannot buy on the Mets right now. And that's not to say that maybe they don't get stuff figured out eventually. It's a long season. Um, and, and we saw bad teams last year, like Detroit made a great run toward the end of the season. It felt like you can always make runs late. The Yankees made a run late last year. So it, it can happen. But the idea that you would buy in at this price on a team that has this many issues before you play game one of 162, you just can't do it. Well, so, let, so let me interrupt you for a second. So you used very you made your thoughts on the Mets very clear, and you very specifically said that the Braves are the team to bet on. Yes. Does that mean you're you're not betting against the Mets specifically? Like, for example, are you taking the under eighty eight and a half? Are you taking the Mets not to make the playoffs? I don't have that number pull up in front of me. Or are you just betting on the Braves in this division? So the idea here is, if something is overpriced, something else is underpriced. That's that's almost always how every sports betting market works, and, and it's very particular in baseball and. and the Braves and the Mets last year and this year have an interesting dynamic, which is we covered this a little bit last year too. They're basing you, they're basically forcing you to pick a lane. 
Like, hey, these are the two teams that are going to be in contention probably to win this division. They both tooled up. The Braves are your reigning champs. The Mets had an insane offseason. Pick a lane. We're going to make you pick one. And I think it's actually not that close. <laughs> like, I think given what the Braves still have, I mean, yes, they lose Freeman, but the pitching lineup you is mostly... You are so excessively excited about this right I now. I am. I love You're I sitting love there giggling like a toddler. The, the fact that the pitching, on the Mets. Yeah, because the, the pitching rotation for the Braves is, is still there, and the Mets have real problems. And so the idea that it's like, ooh, I don't know, 52-48, Braves-Mets, like this is a massing, massive opening to bet the Braves at plus 120 to win the division. They're the reigning World Series champs. You can get them at plus 120 to win their division just because the Mets have a lot of hype. And I think the other opening here might actually be for the Marlins Somebody's got to finish like third as the just under 500 com- pseudo competitive team. And I think that could actually be the Marlins this year. So I would look at their win total as well. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to get from the Nats and the Phillies. I, I know there's some, you know, some, some people down ballot kind of believe in the Phillies. I don't see it, but I, I've been burned by their win total now a couple, I think one, maybe two years in a row. So I'm going to stay away from the Phillies Marlins win total. Big on the Braves, fade the Mets. The dog is on the Phillies, it seems like. But the Dogs Mets the are yeah. the dogs are on the Phillies. The Mets are minus two twenty five to make the playoffs, plus one eighty five at the no. Plus one eighty five not to make the playoffs. If you're sitting at a win total of eighty eight and a half, I get that we cannot predict what win total is going to make the playoffs, especially with a format that is barely two years old. Well, I guess essentially one year old with a full season. We don't really know how this is all going to shake out, but. And if you're talking about 88 and a half at minus 110, why not just pump that up to plus 180 and say no? Well, I think because it's a the the length of the season scares me. And if if the Mets get healthy and have a good rally in the dog days of summer, then maybe they put themselves in playoff position. I think I would rather own the Braves to win the division and insulate myself against like a late wild card push. Uh, because, I mean, there is a lot of talent on the roster that the Mets have acquired. I don't think anybody is questioning that. I'm questioning if the cost makes sense for the problems that we already know about, not to mention whatever problems come up in the future. So maybe maybe you want to buy in on that no and you want to more fully commit to it. I'm happy to take the Braves at the plus 120 and, and kind of leave it there. But I, philosophically, I am certainly in a fade Mets mode. So we went west to east in the NL, uh, west, central, east. Do you want to start with the AL West uh, in the American League? Sure. What do you got? Very interesting division. Um, I I came into it looking to figure out what to do with the A's. And the more people I talk to, the more people just I, – I mean, I this is probably the biggest consensus of the MLB offseason heading into the season right now is – the A's are in a dramatic teardown. They are stripping it all down. They're selling all the parts. The number right now, which is 68 and a half, it actually got it, it got pulled down from, from BetMGM earlier today and, and reset from 69 and a half to 68 and a half. Everybody I've talked to says that number is actually still way too high. The, the, the A's are going to be like a horrific team this year. They are actively trying to sell off all their parts and rebuild. If you don't follow all the all the notes here, Billy Bean is gone. Uh, he is no longer involved with that front office. So I mean, he he has 
other, you know, people that he worked with for many, many years in his place that are now running the show there. So it's not like it's a totally different operation, but he himself is gone and they are going into full rebuild mode. So it would seem. So I don't think there's a lane there to bet on the over. If anything, there's a big lane to bet on the under. That's, that's what a lot of people will tell you. And I am a little worried to tell that many smart people that they are wrong. So I would, I would probably co-sign on that. The Astros, I think, are a sensible favorite to win this division, but it's not a lock because the Mariners have a really good farm system um, and, and they are kind of in an interesting zone at like nine to two where, hey, they're, they're enough of a dog to make you wonder, am I sure I want to do this? But at the same time, they're kind of within striking distance. Uh, the Angels had a pretty solid offseason. If they ever figure out how to put their stuff together, I, I think that's that's a popular, smart underdog pick when you talk to betters this year about somebody might have a path to challenge the uh the the astros and sort of the status quo in the al west and the angels make the most sense i don't see it for the rangers at all i've heard i've heard a couple trendy picks on the rangers i mean they were like 25th in era last year 26th in in opponent batting average uh they Really didn't do a lot to change that this offseason. Their big signings from from uh, from the offseason here, it was Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, John Gray. So one starting pitcher for a really bad pitching squad, one of the five or six worst in, in the majors last year. They've made some some other moves, sort of their middle relief and and you know their closers and everything, but that doesn't address the bigger problem, which is just the team overall is not a good pitching staff and changing out individual relievers is not necessarily going to fix the main problem. So I see the Rangers. I mean, they spend a lot of money. They obviously got better at, at their interior infield. They're going to have, they're going to hit the ball better this year, but I don't see this as a one year fix. And I would probably stay away from the Rangers. Uh, I know there are some, some, you know, well-established people and some well-established podcasts out there that like the Rangers. And I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I think the Astros probably will win this division, but this is not the Astros of two or three or four years ago. Like they, they have lost a lot of pieces and their pitching staff is getting older. So they are vulnerable. They're the rightful favorite, but they are vulnerable. And this is a spot where maybe you want to buy a ticket with either the Mariners or the A's. I, I, I've heard interesting arguments about the Mariners, about how geographically isolated Seattle is and how far away it is from the rest of the country. Uh, and I've had Seattle people tell me that's why you see the Mariners fade so often down the stretch. Uh, I've heard arguments about uh, Seattle's farm system can buoy that. I, th- there's a lot of interesting Mariners stuff out there that's worth looking into if you got some time the next couple of days. But I would, I would think about in this, this is a division, and and there's a couple more coming up. The, the American League is very interesting, and there's a lot of sort of uh, second-level contenders worth buying in on. So this is a division I would think about taking a shot with an underdog to win. The only number I, I love, and going back to you, you're kind of – you barely touched on the Angels there is because of, of everything you just said. It seems like there are a lot more wins in this division for a middle-tier team like the Angels, and – I don't really enjoy betting on teams where the big if is, can these players stay healthy? However, when you're talking about something like a calf strain, a little bit different than Tommy John, a little bit different than if you shredded your knee or something like that. 
So I think that's why I'm more willing. It's kind of like going back to the Trey Turner thing. The guy broke his finger on a, a bunt attempt. It's more so something like that where I'm not as worried to say if this team can stay healthy because I do think that Trout can still miss a little bit of time, obviously not months on end, and for them to still win 85 games will still be extremely challenging. That is their number, by the way, 84 and a half. Um, but and I would go over. If, if I'm betting one number in this division, it's the over for the Angels because I think the Rangers are going to be overrated. I think the A's are going to be a total doormat. And I think Seattle was a maybe negative regression of the mean after last year. I, I think they had a really, like, they got a lot of bounces last year, and the Astros are vulnerable. So, yeah, I, I think the Angels, if you're not going to pull the 4-1 to trigger on the Angels to win the division, I think the win total there is a, is a bit of a no-brainer. I'm trying to figure out if there's anything in straight forecast worth taking here. Like, if you're not... Not necessarily saying that, hey, let's take the uh, the Angels first, the Mariners second at plus 2,000. But if you do want to put the Astros in there with the Mariners and you want to say maybe, you know, you go Astros first, Mariners second at, at plus 250 or you banking on too many injuries from the Astros, excuse me, from the Angels and stuff like that. But I'm very curious in the straight forecast in this division. It seems like there's opportunity Maybe you do go beyond that. Maybe you look at the Angels and Mariners to finish first and second at plus 2,000. But I'm going to take a closer look at that. Um, anything else out west before we move to the Central? Central is very interesting. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to hear your Twins takes, too. Over 81, 81 and a half for the Twins. For as much that went wrong last year and selling off which, what they which did. Which was a lot. <laughs> things did not go super well last year. It was disastrous on almost every front, and they still won 73 games. I would be worried if that team won 60 games, but somehow they still managed to win 73 games, playing a little bit better as of late. I think they got nine wins better over the offseason. Um, obviously, the key is a good start because if they're just middling around 500, then they have that midsummer dip in June or early July. They're, they're going to have assets to ditch and finish below 500. If they're under 500 come trade deadline, are they going to move Correa? I have no idea, but I feel like that would be in a position they've made signings before, not with the sole intent of moving that player at the deadline, but they've made signings before that give them the flexibility to move a guy at the deadline if they don't play well in the first half. Uh, you know, maybe if they don't have that good start, they sell off. Maybe they hold off on Maeda coming back where he might have been otherwise available. I have some concern with the rotation. Obviously, it's been every single year for the last, I don't know, decade, but I think some of that can be alleviated with how good of a defensive team this year is, how good of a defensive team it is this year, how good they are on the left side of the infield. I'm surprised that this number, I didn't see what it was before the Correa signing two weeks ago or whatever we're at right now. I'm surprised this number isn't inflated. I thought that when I hopped on to look at futures this week, it would be somewhere in the 83 and a half, 84 and a half range. And then you're asking for quite a bit. I mean, you're saying, can they bump their win total 13, 14, 15? But I still think at 81 and a half, is this an over 500 team? Yeah, absolutely. This is an over 500 team. Things can go quickly in the shitter like they did last year. Again, I'm worried about that midsummer sell-off. But if you're telling me right now that this team got nine wins better and it's going to be over 500, yeah, absolutely they did. Yeah, I mean, very interesting division with the Twins and the Tigers both making big, dramatic off-season moves. So I, I think when you talk to people, you have people who are buyers on the Twins, and you have people that are buyers on the Tigers. I think the Twins buy-in makes a little more sense because prior to last year, 
you know, the Twins were winning this division. Like, they were good. They was first or second for, for three or four seasons in a row. So the the fifth place finish last year to me is a little bit of a an outlier, and you would expect some positive regression there even before you get to the nice offseason stuff that happened. So I think buying the Twins over makes sense. I guess they have an outside shot to, to upset the, the White Sox and, and win the AL Central. I'm not sure that the number matches the value I would want to get on that because I think the White Sox are pretty stacked. But yeah, I, I think Twins over makes some sense. I, I, I'm not even trying to split the Twins-Tiger stuff. I think you can make a good case for the Tigers over as well. Uh, when you look at where these numbers are, there is a world where the White Sox have a gaudy record, both in the division and overall for all 162. The Twins go over and the Tigers go over. You can see all three of those things happening. I, I think it's that interesting of a division. And for that reason, the path I've chosen to take here, besides taking the over on the White Sox, because like I said, I think they're stacked. I think they're going to have a really good record. I think they're going to be a real World Series contender. But I think the best play here is actually the under for the Royals. Because if you have these three teams that are all pretty solid, and there are some people that will tell you Cleveland is going to be a very competitive fourth place team, those losses have to go to somebody. And so I think you're looking at the Royals as potentially in competition for the worst record in, in Major League Baseball this year. And certainly I would be looking at the the under on their number, which I have written down somewhere. Uh, it's it's a low number. I want to say it's like 61 and a half. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably my favorite play, uh, maybe in the American League. Uh, Roy- oh my God, I was way off. Uh, Royals under 74 and a half. That's not, that's just, that's a bad number. The losses just have to go somewhere. Or, I, I get that it's hard to determine like what the level of Royals hype is. And maybe it's just because I do follow a lot of Kansas and Kansas city people on Twitter and there's just a rational op- optimism. But so is it, it's, this is a just me or question for you, just me or the Royals like actually receiving hype over the last month. Cause it seems like they are. Um, I think that's your, your media diet. I, I haven't seen a ton of Royals hype and I mean, let's okay. Last year they go 74 and 88, uh, 2020, which is obviously the shortened season, they go 26 and 34, which if you spread it out to 162, very close to 74 and 88. It would be the equivalent of like 72 and 90. Okay. 2019, they go 59 and 103. 2018, they go 58 and 104. I think you're looking at somewhere between those two. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be, you know, 50 and 112. We're not talking about the Orioles here. Um, But I don't see them doing what they did last year because everybody in front of them got better and they didn't really get better. So just sensibly, I think you're going to see regression with them under the number, which again is so high, 74 and a half. That's crazy. You're basically saying, are they going to win more games this year than last year when everybody in front of them got better and they didn't? It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, last night on the Central, you had mentioned the AL Central winner odds. White Sox minus 200. Twins are at plus 500. I agree with you. I, I don't think it's out of the question that Twins could win this division. However, if you're 
if you're curious about that and you don't want to take them at plus 500, I think it makes a lot of sense to do the straight forecast where the Twins would be at first, the White Sox second at plus 650. I cannot see a scenario in which the White Sox finish third in this division. I, I think that's a plus a free plus 150. If the Twins are at plus 650 to win this division, I still don't know if I would take it. But if you are curious about the Twins uh, to finish in second place or to finish in first place in this case, first place Twins, second place White Sox, uh, at plus 650. Do you want to move over to your Orioles? Well, just just a quick thought on that before we go to the AL East, which is in contention for the most interesting division for sure. Um, you said, you know, you can't, you can't see a scenario where the White Sox, you know, don't finish better than third. I think one of the only ways the White Sox lose this division if, is if they have a lot of injury issues. And if they have injury issues that might not just drop them from first to second. It could hypothetically drop them to third because of the moves that we saw from Detroit. Yeah, but they, I mean, they had injury issues last year, and I, I, I'm not— They, they did, so which much... is one of the reasons I'm so heavy on the White Sox this year, is they had a bad year last year injury-wise, and they still won. Yeah. I, I mean, things—I guess it would have to be—things would have to go so wrong on so many levels, like catastrophic failures across the board. So, like, things can go wrong— Players can go to the IL and all that kind of stuff. But to finish below like the Tigers in this division, I I just don't see that. So I, I'm not taking this bet at the Twins at 500. Like I said, I, I don't think I would even take them at 650 to win the division. But if you are curious about the Twins, why not take, in my opinion, the free 150? And I guess the 150 to me is worth more than everything is just going to completely blow up for the White Sox. Fair enough. Which AL East, over on the Orioles, correct? <laughs> Okay, first of all, when I saw, like, I think the Orioles are going to be not horrific this year, okay? I don't know why we're starting with the Orioles here. It's it's not very smart, but I They am have the lowest win total so in the league, if I'm not mistaken, correct. Or the entire it's MLB, them, them and, like, the Pirates and the Diamondbacks, I think, are all kind of the same. Yeah, area. they're 62 and a half. Diamondbacks are 66 and a half. The Pirates are 14 and a half. No, they're not. 14? Kidding! Kidding. 64 and a half for the Pirates. So the thing, like, I thought the Orioles were going to be a buy this year because I feel like they, they are moving in the right direction. Yes, they're still signing bad players for, for trade bait to add, you know, capital at, at the trade deadline and all this stuff that you do when you're you're not immediately trying to get better. Fine. But it felt like, you know, Means is a legit ace, okay? They, they've got some really, really high level. Some of the really high draft picks are starting to pay off because those prospects are getting closer and closer to, to making it to the major league level. So I thought the Orioles were on track to be a buy this year. When I saw the number was 62 and a half. So basically the, the meta of that number is, hey, do you think the Orioles are going to lose 100 games this year? I don't know, man. I, that's pretty high. I thought it was going to be a lower number. I, for some reason, I might be way off on this. I thought the number last year was like in the 50s. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I just I was expecting a lower number. And I can't – I mean, I might still do it just, just like a, a quick one unit for funsies kind of I'm an Orioles fan bet. But – I, I can't recommend people bet the over on the Orioles in good conscience. I just can't well, do where, it. Where are the wins in this division? You have, I, I get that four teams aren't going to win 95 games, but you, I, th- I think you have four teams that are capable. Well, let's, let's lower a little bit. You have four teams that are capable of winning 90 games. And maybe you might push back on the Red Sox a little bit, but because 
I think there are strong arguments that four teams have 90 win potential in this in this division. I get that one of those teams won't get there. Maybe the Red Sox finish with 75 wins, or the Blue Jays wildly underachieve, or the Yankees only win 82 games or something. But you have four teams with 90 win potential. Where are the wins for the Orioles to even? I mean, what was the Orioles' divisional record last year? Would they win 20 divisional uh, games? Was, maybe I, I don't know. Right. So bad. where are the wins for the Orioles this year, even if they are a better team? And, and this is just you know to to put a bow on a way too much Orioles talk already. This is a classic. Just the Orioles are in a crazy division that have crazy payrolls, and they had a good two or three year run with Buck Showalter. Eight or nine years ago, they make it to the ALCS in 2014. I went. It was awesome. I ate crab-filled pretzels, and it was great. It was like a great week, okay? You good? Yeah. The problem, though, is when you sell off basically all of your farm system parts to extend this run to, like, make one extra wild card game where you lose on this heartbreaking walk-off in Toronto, and then you suck, like, historically suck, for five, seven, nine years after that, it's just not worth it. And so now the Orioles have to do all this extra bullshit. We have a, like a whole season a couple years ago where it's just rule five guys because we're so bad. We don't have anybody. You have to do all this shit just to restock the farm system. So when you finally start to see the farm system being a major league farm system again, you're going to see the Orioles being a buy candidate. I'm just not sure we're there yet. We have buried the lead here. The lead on the AL East is Toronto because everybody is freaking out about the Blue Jays this year. And I mean, you were talking about who co- compares to Arkansas that we talked about earlier in the show. This is the Arkansas comparison, a team that is good and talented and has made some splashy additions and people are expecting big things from, but hasn't actually really done anything worth talking about yet. The Blue Jays have the second highest World Series odds. Second highest win total, too. Yeah, they're tied with the Astros and I think White Sox. Yeah. And then the Blue Jays. And that is crazy. I mean, the the hype is way. Like I was talking about the Mets hype being too high. The Blue Jays fans need to calm down. And it's not just the Blue Jays fans. Like the media has hyped this team to hell and back. This is a total fade candidate to me. And, And it's in the same model as the Mets in that I'm not necessarily going to take an active position against Toronto, but I am operating on a rubric that Toronto is overvalued. So where can I find the value elsewhere in the AL East? And it's obviously not the Orioles as we've covered. So just to give a little context around the Toronto stuff, like if you don't follow the AL East, if you're not over here, like on the East coast and plugged into like the super sexy I-95 division here, The idea that anybody would be this heavy of a favorite in this division is kind of crazy, all right? Last year, Tampa wins the division. 2020, I I believe it was Tampa as well, and that's the year they win the World Series. But 20, you know, that was a 60-game regular season, so let's take that out of it. 2021, Tampa wins the division. 2019, the Yankees win the division. 2018, the Red Sox win the division. And if you want to go back a full 10 years, in 2015, the Blue Jays won. And in 2014, the Orioles won. So in the last 10 years, each team in this division has won at least once. And I'm not sure any other division in Major League Baseball can say that. The constant chop and churn of this division 
having to constantly go on the road and play playoff caliber teams. Boston's going to finish fourth in this division probably this year. They're pretty good. They Like you were talking about, there's four 90-win teams in this division. Boston, I think, is the clear fourth-place team of those four. But, you know, their farm system, they've got some good assets. They've got good players. They've got a pitching staff. They can hit the ball. I mean, it's it's tough. So to expect Toronto to have to definitely come out of this division, to definitely win this division. I would, and it makes more sense, I think is what I'm saying. It makes more sense to bet them to win something big like the World Series or the American League than to win the division because anybody could win this division. But the problem with betting them to win the World Series or to win the American League is the odds are completely priced out. So you cannot buy Toronto for that reason. Um, you I mean, it's, I have a list here. I don't know where I put it, but like the, the, how many times Toronto has won the division in the last 20 years or 25 years, it just doesn't happen very often. So I need to see it. It's kind of like Arkansas. I think it would be a little weird if the Blue Jays won the world series next year. It's a little different because it's 30 teams versus 350. And, and, you know, there, there are different nuances, but I would stay away from the Toronto stuff. I would absolutely look at the over on Tampa uh, over 90 and a half. They've won 56% of their games each of the last three seasons. So that's that's a clear over sign for me. The Rays, I mean, they they didn't, it's kind of a static off season. They're still going to be good again. They won the division last year. I would look at the over on the Rays. And I mean, it's a little square, but I would think about the over for the Yankees too. Uh, just because they cannot possibly have as rough a mid opening and mid season this year that as they did last year, it's in, an incredibly deep roster. If they get the pitching stuff figured out, if Sever, if Severino's good to go, like that's a World Series contender. So I would I would be certainly hitting the over in the divisional odds for Tampa. I would think about the over and or the divisional odds for the Yankees. I would stay away from Toronto. A potentially hot takey question to wrap up this MLB Futures episode on the Toronto note. If Toronto's, the last names of some of Toronto's players, the ones of, the sons of former big leaguers, if those last names were different, would these numbers be lower for the Blue Jays? If it wasn't Biggio, if it wasn't Bichette, if it wasn't Guerrero. I was going to say, you're you're leaving the best for last there. (laughs) Like, is it, is that a absurd question? No, it's it's never an absurd question. That's always a smart handicappy question is is hey, is this substance or or, or is this marketing? Uh I I think I don't know how much that has to do with it. I I mean I I think it's more about they were already pretty good and then the off season they had and the additions they made or or who they re-signed. Like I I think that is just as much a part of it as maybe the names. Um, I mean, maybe that's an element of it. Whenever you have a number that's this big, like, I mean, sure, maybe it's a part of it, but I think it's more about what they've done to the roster. And I just, I want to see the roster be good before I pay that much of a premium to own a position like that. Total wins head to head Blue Jays, Chicago White Sox, minus 110 apiece. Got to be on the White Sox there, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's. I would I think you're philosophically it's a great idea if you're going to do one of those head to heads. I would just want to find I mean the AL Central it's not as crowded as the AL East, but it is crowded I think. 
So I would want to go maybe find somebody in the AL West, which I think is going to be a division where there's a lot more wins available. Or like you and I talked about the Brewers in the NL Central. Like, go find a division where there are more wins available and play that against a crowded divisional you know, favorite like Toronto in the AL East. And that, I think, is a, is a much more compelling way to bet that if you can find it. We will be back, uh, what, next week? Next week, talking probably NBA playoffs, I would think. Yeah, probably do. Uh, well, what day does the playing tournament start? I'll have to go look it up. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'm, no, that, that's your domain, too. Yeah, so maybe we'll do a week of NBA playoff stuff. And then after that, we'll have uh, two episodes for NFL Draft. Uh, after that, we'll come back and probably just do a mixture of different things. Mentioned last week on the episode, this is the time of the year when we do a month, month and a half. Uh, deviate from the norm college football college basketball NFL that kind of stuff but then after NFL draft we'll cover probably come back to some of that stuff uh, look at some MLB stuff from the first month of the season some trends that we find interesting if there's anything early in the NBA playoffs uh, and then pretty soon thereafter we'll get into some offseason preview stuff for NFL for college football I would imagine we'll do some sort of similar format that we did last year uh, one NFL division or one college football conference per week Look at all those futures numbers. Know that some of them are starting to populate on BetMGM. Uh, if you have any questions about any of those, or if you want to talk about a specific uh, specific number for college football betting for futures, for NFL betting for futures, just ping us on Twitter at the Lions Edge. You can also get a free five dollar bet if you leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. Screenshot that review, send it to us on Twitter. We'll get a five dollar bet dropped into your account. Uh, if you have any questions on futures betting. Uh, I would recommend sending those to Chase at Chase A. Kitty. He can give you his take on those before opening day or even shortly after opening day because a lot of these futures markets will stay open uh, after opening day, especially World Series odds, divisional odds, just stay up, all that kind of stuff. So at Chase A. Kitty on Twitter if you have any questions about MLB futures. And then we'll be back next week, probably either Tuesday or Wednesday, looking at some NBA playoff uh, futures opening round. We should have playing tournament odds. We probably should just find out the date when the playing tournament starts, and then we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. Uh, But thank you for listening to The Lion's Edge, presented by BetMGM.